Information shared on the following program is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute legal, tax, investment, or other advice, nor is it intended to recommend any particular investments, products, or financial instruments. Always seek advice from your financial advisor, attorney, or accountant with regard to investment, legal, or tax questions. What if there was a way to guarantee an income you could never outlive in retirement? Well, stay tuned as I reveal how to never worry about running out of money again. Welcome to the only show in the country dedicated to helping savers worry less about money, the Worry-Free Retirement, with your host, Tony Walker. If you got it, you don't need it. If you need it, you don't got it. You don't get it, shame on you. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. Them that have it, get more of it. The less they need it, the more they love it. And it sticks to them like glue. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. Time and time again, surveys reveal that the greatest fear of hardworking savers is running out of money in retirement. And for good reason, with Americans living longer than ever before, you've got inflation running rampant, health care costs going through the roof, and the uncertainty of the stock market, taxes and fees on your money. No wonder... People are so worried about running out of money. Well, welcome to the Worry-Free Retirement, folks. I am your host for the next 28 minutes or so, fiduciary and retirement planning specialist, Tony Walker. Speaking of surveys, normally we don't kind of call out companies. I'm not trying to bash companies, but I I did get tickled at this one, folks. Uh, Recently, this was on wealthmanagement.com. This was a survey done by Wells Fargo. Now, the funny thing about this survey, it was done in November of 2018, just just recently, and it says, live long and face financial hardship, question mark. goes on to say, running out of savings in retirement is a real concern for many Americans, according to a Wells Fargo report, but coaching clients to have the right mindset can help. And it goes on to quote this survey. Now, again, what's so funny about this is Wells Fargo has almost had this epiphany Uh, in 2018, that people are worried about running out of money. Folks, as a retirement specialist, I've been in this field for 34 years, and especially after 9-11, some 17 years ago when I was managing money and they flew into those Twin Towers. Folks, we've been focusing on helping savers not run out of money for years. Uh, So what's happening, I think what's happening is Wall Street has been trying to say they can, you know, keep you from running out of money by a lot of these, uh, you know, take only 4% or take only 3% or hang in there for the long term. And as we're seeing with the recent market downturn, incidentally, we are recording this particular episode of the Worry-Free Retirement on December 11th, 2018. I mean, the market is all over the place, folks. And as we'll see later on during this broadcast, uh, you know, if we go through another 2000, 2001, 2002, particularly if you're retired or approaching retirement and you're going to rely on Wall Street and these are these goofy articles almost as if they just discovered that people are worried about running out of money, folks, if you're a saver, this is what this show focuses on, savers. The saver personality, again, is someone who's more concerned about the return of their money than on it. If you're a saver, uh, my goodness, you can't have all your money in the stock market for the very reason that Wells Fargo just talked about. You could run out of money. Now, we kind of go back in time here. I think it's interesting to uh, re-interject as we're talking about, uh, by the way, if you're just now joining us, we're in the seventh mistake, the seventh 
costliest mistake that people make with their money, and this is uh, as outlined in my book uh, published in 2010, Don't Follow the Herd. Uh, actually, I think this is a great book. I wrote this book beginning in 2008 when I saw the market then go down 40% or whatever. Some people lost even more than that. But my thoughts were, why is everybody, why does everybody have all the money in the stock market? When did that even begin? And in our costly mistake number seven, which we'll get into, we're going to talk about this concept of not having mailbox money. Now, what is mailbox money? Well, again, we go back to my granddad. I talk about him a lot, uh, very close to my granddad. You know, when you're a young child, I was born in 1960 and 1970. My parents went through a divorce. Now, back in 1970, you're listening to this saying, well, what's, what's the big deal? Anybody, you know, what is it? Half of people go through divorces now? Well, in 1970, they didn't. In fact, there was only one other kid in my elementary school, if I remember correctly, whose parents had gone through a divorce. Only one. I mean, this is dating me a little bit, but so you can imagine when my parents went to a divorce, it was fairly traumatic. Luckily for me, uh, my granddad and his uh, faithful sidekick, Hazel, and their son, Eddie, Uncle Eddie, he was a treat. Uh, they lived nearby about 15, 20 miles away uh, in Troy, Kentucky. So I ended up as a youngster spending a lot of time down in Troy, got very, very close to my granddad. And I can remember, uh, now he was born in 1914, keep in mind. <laughs> Went to work in 1932, right in the middle of the Depression. So as you can imagine, when Bell South offered him a gig climbing telephone poles, he, he jumped on the poles out of the soup kitchen line right away. But anyway, you know, I spent a lot of time around my granddad. And when he retired, first time I'd been around anybody who had retired, in 1978, you know, I'm just a, what, 18-year-old kid, and I'm thinking, you know, how's he going to just quit working? I mean, I'd only known Granddad as getting up very early in the morning. He would trek off, uh, he used to be in Lexington, then he finished out his career in the Frankfurt office of Bell South, and I mean, it was kind of cool. I used to sleep on the couch uh, in their den, kind of had a little den area. Granddad would get up about four in the morning. Hazel would always get up with him, fix his coffee, a little bit of eggs, maybe a little bit of mush. And I'd kind of talk to him. I'd usually go back to sleep and he'd take off. And when he just told Hazel one day, I'm retiring. And in two weeks he retired. I couldn't figure that out. How do you just stop retiring? Well, looking back over it, he always referred to his mailbox money. That's how he retired. So back in those days, since 1978, I mean, that's when the 401k was enacted into law. Back in those days, that generation didn't even have any money in the stock market. Bear with me on where we're going, folks. My granddad never owned a stock. Uh, there were only a few mutual funds in. He wouldn't even have known what a mutual fund was. And then all of a sudden, you know, all these employers are getting nervous about thinking, hey, we got all these people living longer and longer, which ties into the article that Wells Fargo just discovered a few months ago, that people are living longer and longer. We've got to fund all these pension plans. We can't afford to do that. So what are we going to do? Well, in comes from Wall Street, the 401k plan. So when they ushered in the 401k plan in 1978, what happened was that took granddad, or he, he was lucky enough to avoid this, but that took you and me off of Main Street and flung us onto Wall Street. So we went from a world of guaranteed lifetime income, what my granddad had, mailbox money, money we could never outlive, to a world of risk and uncertainty. Now, don't get me wrong, as a registered investment advisor and as a fiduciary, we put some money in the market for our clients. But on average, now this d differs with different people. I had a, it was funny, I'm with America's favorite financial sidekick in here. Aaron, uh, yesterday, you saw how many appointments I had, right? I mean, loaded all the way up. Aaron was with me here 
chaperoning the office until 8.30 last night. But anyway, so I see a lot of people. I'm in the trenches face-to-face with people. And I had someone come in the other day, and we had some money, just a small amount, over in our Charles Schwab platform. And uh, it had gone down about 5%, and they were nervous. And they said, Tony, you don't understand. Get me out. I don't want to lose anything. Although we had the majority of their money in what we call fixed annuities. They weren't going down at all. I said, okay, we'll move it out. And we moved it out immediately. We didn't argue with them. So depending on your taste for risk, I have some clients who want absolutely no risk. So we can do that. We can help you either take a little bit of risk or we can avoid risk altogether. But generally what we do and what we recommend for our clients is no more than 30% in the stock market. By the way, uh, again, as we talk, I've got my notes, my cheat notes out here. Back in history, again, when I started this business in 84, I'm kind of looking at a chart here. I call it the seven-year itch. And what I did, I'm going to go back. Uh, Tell you what, let's take a quick break. I'm going to get my thoughts organized here. And when I come back, we're going to talk about the seven-year itch, what has happened in the stock market since 1987, and how, if you've got all your money, if you're relying on Wall Street, why Wells Fargo is pointing out, hey, you better be careful, you could run out of money, and quite frankly, why Wells Fargo does not have the answers, but we do. Stay tuned, I'll be right back. Are you retired or retiring soon? Can you afford for your money to take a hit with the stock market being so volatile these days? Nobody can time the market, but having a retirement game plan with Tony Walker Financial gives you peace of mind and sleep insurance. Learn how to prevent losses in your retirement accounts and plan your retirement around an income you can never outlive. Log on to TonyWalkerFinancial.com today to schedule a personal meeting with Tony to secure your hard-earned money. That's TonyWalkerFinancial.com. Annuities. Some people love them and some people hate them. Regardless of how you feel about annuities, one thing's for sure, annuities are the only financial product that can guarantee an income you can never outlive. I'm Tony Walker, and regardless of whether you're thinking about buying an annuity or you have a current annuity that you'd like me to review, log on to TonyWalkerFinancial.com. Since 9-11, we've written over 2,500 annuities, and we can help you by getting started now. Worried about running out of money in retirement? For a limited time, five-time author and retirement specialist Tony Walker is making available his latest book, Mailbox Money for Life. For your free copy, simply log on to TonyWalkerFinancial.com. Are you retired or retiring soon? Do you have a 401k, IRA, thrift savings account, 403b, or lump sum pension that you'd like to move to safer territory? Did you know that all the money you see on your 401k statement isn't really yours? Depending on your overall taxable income, the government has essentially a lien on your 401k that can tax as much as 40% of your money when you go to take it out. Tony Walker calls this the 401k tax tumor. For over 33 years, retirement specialist Tony Walker has helped thousands of savers worry less about money by creating game plans to deal with your tax tumor. Get control of your retirement by controlling the taxes owed on it. Schedule a free meeting to see if you can reduce your tax tumor and provide a guaranteed income you can never outlive. To get started, simply log on to TonyWalkerFinancial.com. That's TonyWalkerFinancial.com. Tired of the roller coaster ride of the stock market? 
Let Tony Walker show you how to smooth out the ride with your money. Log on to TonyWalkerFinancial.com and let's get started. Welcome back to the Worry-Free Retirement, and we're uh, referencing this notion that Wells Fargo just uh, stumbled across about a month ago, something we've been talking about for well over a decade, and that's the idea that savers uh, do not want to run out of money. Well, I guess nobody. Uh, you know, when I think about the three personalities of money, this was a test I created. Uh, I got an old uh, degree in psychology, so excuse me for this, but I really love thinking about what makes people tick. Uh, why they do what they do, and I uh, came up with this concept called the three personalities of money. Even wrote a book about it. In fact, there's a website if you'd like to hop on over there. It's the number three personalities.com. And the the theory is, and what is born out to be, to be, I think, very accurate is people are born with a certain, uh, I guess, tolerance for either risk or no risk. They so people are either a saver personality. That would be my granddad. He wanted no risk whatsoever. Uh, he definitely was more concerned about the return of his money than on it. Then you have people who are investor-type personalities. Uh, I estimate that's probably roughly 10% of the population running around out there. That's the real analytical people, the folks that understand calculated risks. They're comfortable with risk. Uh, you know, again, some of my clients are a little more of an investor personality, but, m m again, they're more so on the saver side. So you could, I guess you could have elements of both. We see that sometimes. And then you have the real rare breed. I remember when we were doing a study on this, we even used uh, the, some of the psychologists at the uh, Department of Psychology at Western Kentucky University to help us with this. And they said, Tony, we're not finding many speculators. And I said, well, that's probably good because, you know, a speculator would be that guy or gal out there, you know, at uh, Vegas just rolling the dice and doesn't care. You know, that would be a speculator. So basically when in terms of savers, what we're talking about is their desire to keep it simple, their desire to protect principle, and their desire to not take risk in retirement and potentially run out of money. So what I did, I went back, and I kind of noticed there was a trend with the stock market. Again, I started in this business in 1984, been licensed to sell security since 1986. So I've been exposed and seen a lot of downturns. I've sold about every financial product imaginable. But in 1987, let's go back to that day. Man, that was terrible. One of the worst single-day corrections in all time. But 1987 went down the market, 35%. So let's just do the math. If you had $100,000, that means you lost about $35,000. you are down to $65,000. Imagine being in retirement or the day after you retire and come home and tell Martha, you know, you're all excited. Let's, let's enjoy our 401k, and it drops 35%. Then seven years later, ironically, in 1994, it's not as bad, but, you know, the market dropped 10%. That's still a huge drop. Uh, we may be heading in that direction, it looks like, very easily in uh, 2018 if we're not careful. But anyway, seven years later, ironically, 2001, we know what happened then. The market went down 20%. Uh, let's see. I want to see something here. Uh, basically, this is interesting. If you go back, it, it was not just in 2001. Um, if you go to 2000, 2001, 2002, depending on whether you're looking at the S&P or the Dow, the S&P dropped in 2000, 10%. 2001, the S&P dropped 13%. 2002, the year after 9-11, it dropped 23%. So let's put that in perspective. Let's just go to those three years. Imagine that happens again. Could. We don't know, but it could. 
uh, you're retired, or been retired for a few years, or retiring soon. Imagine again, picture this would happen. Let's take an example. Let's say you got three hundred thousand dollars in your four hundred one k, and you're age sixty. Let's say. If we go through another 2000, that means it's going to drop 10% or that 300,000 overnight is going to turn into 270. You with me so far? Imagine if you're retired Aaron and you're drawing out money and this happens. This would be a disaster. Then uh, 2001 goes down another 13%. That brings it on down some more. By the end of 2002, if it dropped another 23%, again we're imagining this happens now, 300,000. At the end of that third year, assuming no withdrawals, now remember, if you've been taking money out, this will even be worse, but assuming no withdrawals, your $300,000 in just three years would have dropped to $180,000. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but that is a huge, huge loss, and I have no idea how you're going to stomach that kind of a windfall of losses uh, during that short period of time. So as we keep moving, uh, 2008, we remember that. That was a horrible year. That was the, on record since I've been in the business, that's the worst year ever, uh, again, aside from the Great Depression. But it went down 42%, depending on what indice you looked at. It's 42% in 2008. And actually in 2015, people forget this, it dropped a little over 12%. Now, we've talked in previous shows about bull markets, bear markets, a bull market. Obviously, we've been in a bull market well over 10 years. Uh, 2015 did not constitute a bear market. So since 2008, when the market recovered, which it did, it came back, uh, we've been in a bull market and generally bull markets, we mentioned this on an earlier show, generally last about 10 years. So March, roughly March of this year, should have we should have entered into a bear market, in other words, a bad market. And many people are saying what we're going through right now as of December of 2018, was actually fairly long overdue. So again, what is the solution then, Tony? I mean, if you're sitting there and saying, well, Tony, that's all well and good. And yeah, you got my attention. I've got a 401k. Uh, I've got an IRA. I've got an old 401k. I've still got with a former employer. I don't know what to do with that thing. Um, is this the time to consider moving out of the market? I had a gentleman in uh, just the other day and he was wanting to move out of his IRA. Uh, he was 70 years of age. And he said, let's move that thing. I'm not, con I'm concerned about the market. Uh, you know, he'd gone down a little bit. So we sent in the transfer paperwork. Well, in the meantime, and this was a dilemma. This is always a dilemma when I'm moving money because you never know what it's going to do in the process of moving the money. So for instance, if you want us to go get an account and move it over to Tony Walker Financial, well, that could take, sometimes takes days, sometimes weeks. Uh, sometimes the money that's held at your current custodian, whoever's got that money, they're not really quick sometimes to release it. Um, so, you know, you could be sitting there and wondering, when are we going to get this money? And in his case, we sent the paperwork in, the market immediately tanked, and he called back and said, shoot, Tony, hold off on that transfer. I, I don't want to move this now. Uh, he had lost almost 10%. Uh, again, it was pretty risky. He had lost almost 10% in about two weeks on his account. Again, this varies depending on how you've got those holdings set up. So don't be alarmed. Some of you may not have a lot in the market, but in his case, it went down. Subsequently, he calls and says, don't move it. Now there's a problem that now he's got a real dilemma. This happened in 2008. I watched this play out and you may be having the same dilemma. You've lost some money. You're thinking, well, I don't want to take a loss. So do I just hang in there? Now, the problem with that is you could keep hanging in there and the account, there's no guarantees, could keep dropping. Or that's true. You know, the other risk you take is you liquidate it because you're nervous 
And six months from now, the account goes right back up the 10% it just lost. See, therein lies the problem, folks. Here we are. I'm now turning into a speculator, which I'm not a much of a speculator. We're turning into speculating on what the market's going to do. That's called trying to time the market. And as I always say, nobody, including yours truly, can time the market. So what was the solution? So in, in my book, Don't Follow the Herd, basically the last step, there's seven costly mistakes people make with their money. And the seventh mistake is having no mailbox money during retirement. So again, to define, in case you're just joining us, to define mailbox money, mailbox money is defined as some sort of instrument that's set up that will guarantee, again, the word is guarantee, not hope for, we're talking about no so, not hope so, okay? Guarantee an income that you can never outlive. So there are basically three types of mailbox money. You have the traditional pension, which most people don't have those anymore. That's what my granddad enjoyed. The pension can either be sponsored by an employer or sponsored by a government entity. So if you work for the government, depending on how long you've been with the government, you're going to get some sort of pension or mailbox money one day. Uh, teachers out there, well, this has been really controversial, but teachers expect to get their mailbox money. They don't have Social Security, don't pay into Social Security. The state of Kentucky, we're recording the show in the state of Kentucky, but all teachers, I guess, in every state, but the states back those pension plans, which are a promise to the teachers that they're going to one day pay a mailbox money. And as we know, uh, the state has not done a good job of managing that money. Now teachers are worried they may not get their mailbox money. That's the, sec that's the first type, either corporately sponsored or government sponsored pension plans. The second type of mailbox money, and this might surprise you, is actually Social Security. So Social Security, as much as we fear that it may not be here one day, Currently, they're still providing Social Security. I always tell people, I say, you know why you want a roaring economy with low unemployment? It's not just for the economy, and obviously we want people to have jobs. The reason you want that is to collect all those darn FICA taxes. Because if people aren't working, the government is not collecting the Social Security taxes to fund Social Security, which equal about 15%. By the time you take the 7.5% roughly you have to pay, and the employer, the 7.5%, has to match that. I mean, it's a pretty big tax. Uh, so we want a roaring economy. We want higher wages because without that, the future of Social Security gets really suspect. So the second form of mailbox money, guaranteed income for life, is your Social Security. Uh, incidentally, if you're sitting there going, Tony, that's a good question. When do I take Social Security? Uh, when do I take this mailbox money? Uh, should I defer it? Should I take it now? I hear all kinds of conflicting reports out there on the Internet well, what we do in the Worry Free Retirement process, there is no one-size-fits-all on that answer. There's no one perfect answer on when to take Social Security. So when I'm meeting with people in person, we take your information, and then I have a Lisa on staff who's certified in Social Security planning. We put that into a plan. Uh, we coordinate the decision on when to take Social Security with your age, uh, longevity of your family, what other assets do you have, what taxes are we currently paying on those assets? Uh, what do you want to leave when you die? You know, that's a, big, that's a big question. And believe me, all of this stuff takes a lot of experience, but that has to go in to the decision on when to take Social Security. This is not a math issue. A lot of people break it down to math and when, when do I break even and all that. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. That's a small part of it. But really, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about retirement planning with mailbox money, particularly with Social Security. So we can certainly help you think through that if you'd uh, 
like to take advantage of meeting with me or talking to me in person. And then finally, my favorite, uh, this is really how we make most of our money. People say, how do you get paid, Tony? Incidentally, we uh, Matt Stebbins in our office is in charge of all of our digital tracking. And every week we're amazed. We have a little meeting. We go through and see what people are interested in on the website at TonyWalkerFinancial.com. One of the most popular pages is how do we get paid? How does Tony Walker Financial get paid? Now, the reason I think it's a great page is we have full disclosure. As a fiduciary, I'll tell you exactly what I make on your money. I'll tell you what the commissions are. Our fees are a flat six-tenths of 1%, one of the lowest management fees in the industry. We'll tell you all that. The reason I think people want to know how we get paid is they don't understand how their current advisors get paid because nobody's talking about that. Uh, I was watching an ad on TV the other day. It was a catchy little ad. I thought it was pretty creative, good marketing ploy. Uh, it says something like this, uh, when your assets grow, we grow, or something like that. And I thought, well, that's good, but you know, I know that firm, and that firm charges 1.5% regardless whether you grow or not. So the, what that should say is regardless of whether you're making your money or not, uh, our assets do grow because they're going to get paid regardless, which any money manager will. For instance, under our Charles Schwab platform, uh, we charge six-tenths of 1%, but that is true. If you don't make money, we still have to charge our fees. So this is why we feel that the fees should be much more reasonable than what most advisors are charging because they do make money on your money whether you do or not. So the purpose of mailbox money, the third type, is through annuities. Now, the reason I like annuities so much is it is the only product that can emulate and portray granddad's pension or his mailbox money. There's no other product that can do that. Let's, let's take a stock, for instance, or a basket full of mutual funds or ETFs. Well, yeah, maybe they're paying a good dividend, but if that stock drops and you're taking out, let's say, let's say it's $100,000 and you want $10,000 a year for the rest of your life, well, there's no way they can guarantee that. It may only last... Uh, six, seven years in a bad market. Granted, it might last the rest of your life, but we're back to now the woulda, shoulda, coulda. There's no guarantees with that. Whereas an annuity, when you put that with an insurance company, and we can help you with this, we represent a large group of insurance companies with varying products. What the insurance company is saying is, look, we've got the wherewithal to make sure that if you live longer than we thought, they're called actuaries. These people sit around insurance companies trying to figure out when everybody's going to die. They take all that information and they say, look, if you beat the odds, let's say we think you're going to die at age 80 and you and or Martha lives to 105, it doesn't matter. We're going to contractually guarantee that your payment, your mailbox money, will go to you and or Martha for the rest of your life. A lot of people say, well, wait a minute. What happens if me and Martha die in the third year of this darn annuity? Does it just all go away? Well, depending on the type of annuity, uh, it could. Uh, depending on the type of annuity, it may continue to provide some income or it may provide a lump sum of whatever the balance is in that annuity. But irregardless, what we're talking about here is the ability for an annuity issued through a private insurance company, people that we represent, that's how we get paid. We get paid commissions on setting these up. But more importantly, we don't charge anything for the entire process to handle all this. So let's take an example. Let's, let's put legs on this. Again, let's go back to that $300,000 IRA or 401k. You could even have money languishing in the bank, you know, making 1% or 2%, and you're tired of that, and you're thinking, gosh, Tony, I don't, I don't have enough guaranteed lifetime income for me and, and or my partner, and I need some help. So what we would do, let's stay with the 401k. Maybe you've turned 59 and a half. Here's a good example. I had a gentleman in yesterday. He wants out of the 401k. 
the 401k plan document allows him to roll that over since he's already 59 and a half. Now keep in mind, he's still working, but he can do this. So with no charge, no tax liability, our offices will make what's called a rollover call. Uh, we will handle everything. That 401k will be moved to an individual IRA and they will split that IRA into two accounts, depending on what the client wants to do. The majority of that money will go into what we call an annuity a fixed annuity so that it won't lose anything. The balance of that, a smaller portion, will go into our Charles Schwab platform. This person will have complete access to that money, can take income, will have all kinds of flexibility. But in case the market does go down, this person's going to know that, hey, I've got some sleep insurance. I'm not going to have to wake up in the morning and realize my account's down 40%. It ain't going to happen if we have that fixed annuity in there. So here's what I would suggest doing. By the way, we've got a great uh, it's called the Mailbox Money for Life booklet. There's also a booklet called the Annuity Decision Guide for Savers. You can find it on our website at TonyWalkerFinancial.com. It's a free download. So when you go to TonyWalkerFinancial.com, just scroll down, download the booklet, the Mailbox Money for Life. Also, there's an Annuity Decision Guide for Savers. Download that. After you take a look at those booklets, one of two ways you can contact us, just call us at 877 99walk 877-499-WALK or again go back to TonyWalkerFinancial.com and just click on that let's get started be happy to meet with you in person or talk to you about your specific situation by phone well I hope you've enjoyed the worry-free retirement I've enjoyed being with you until next time you remember between now and then if all else fails you be worry-free if you got it you don't need it if you need it you don't got it you don't get it Shame on you Funny, funny, funny what money can do